What's up, everybody? We are back once again with another episode of the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the end of the NBA regular season, the play-in games, and the upcoming first-round matchups. Also going to talk some Major League Baseball and this weekend's PGA Championship. Episode 43 coming at you right now. What's up, y'all, and thank you for tuning in once again. I'm Landon Pangburn, along with my brother and co-host, Preston Pangburn. We've got a special little Wednesday episode for y'all this week, but it's perfectly placed right in the middle of the NBA play-in games and just before the PGA Championship, which starts tomorrow morning. P, how you doing, man? I'm good. I I think now that it's Wednesday evening, I am finally recovered from this weekend. We were down in Destin in a house with 26 people. So as you can imagine, it was pretty, pretty tough to get a good night's sleep. But anyway, we had fun and glad to be home. Yeah, I got some beautiful photographs in your cheetah print. Yep. Yeah, it was kind of funny going to a bar with 26 people all wearing cheetah slash leopard print. We got some some weird stares. It's better than going to a bar with one person in cheetah print. So yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah. But yeah, 26 of us, Chubbs called the dogs in a private hibachi room. So <laughs> it, it was a little inappropriate at times, but always fun. You got to love it. Well, let's get after it. Let's do it. Yeah. So you want to talk about some uh, NBA basketball? Actually, before we get to that, yes. I have to ask you about something. What okay. is this package on the table right oh, here okay. that you refuse to tell me about? Okay. Okay. So I got a little story here. So it starts off by telling the people what dad did last week, which was he played in the Byron Nelson Pro-Am, the golf Pro-Am, right? Okay. So he played, first of all, he played with his pros were Siwoo Kim and Doug Gim, which is just really funny. Dad it's playing six with Siwoo Kim and Doug Gim. 23 handicap. Yeah. You already know. So after he got home, I was talking to him and he brought up the fact that he was given a free pair of golf shoes and he already has nice new golf shoes and you have nice new golf shoes. So he asked me if I wanted them and I was like, yeah, man, that's awesome. I would love to have them. And so a couple of days go by and I'm playing golf this Saturday. And so on Monday I was talking to mom. I said, Hey mom, could you ship those golf shoes to me as soon as possible? Cause I'm playing this Saturday. And she goes, yeah. And she turns to dad and says, Hey, where are those golf shoes? He goes, Oh, I gave them away. <laughs> to who exactly the, the homeless guy walking down the street oh uh, yeah so anyways he uh he just bailed on me with the golf shoes and so mom felt bad so she got me golf shoes so that's what those are right there oh, of course she did that's yeah, exactly. classic that's, cheryl that and classic, classic joe yes which is just no bad intentions at all he just kind of completely forgot yeah, that he, he committed them 100 percent forgot <laughs> so he gave them away and and here's my new golf shoes. I don't even know what they look like, but we'll see in a minute. That'll happen. Yeah, we'll, we we'll open them here in a second. But anyway, so let's get into some NBA talk. So the regular season ended. Uh, a couple things before we get into the you know MVP and all the awards. I want to talk about Kyrie Irving. Yeah, a guy that we you know have ragged on a little bit. He's he's got some you know crazy worldviews, but anyway, ultimately he's he's a good guy and sure is a good basketball player. He became the fourth player ever to have a 50-40-90 season while averaging 25 points per game. That's pretty sick. And only the ninth player ever to do it 
regardless of how many points per game. Right. Yeah. 50% field goals, 40% from three, 90% free throws. But yeah, the other guys who have done it with 25 points per game, Steph, KD, and Larry Bird, who did it twice. So pretty sick company. That's a good stat because you're not going to do it unless you're a first bout Hall of Famer. Yeah, that's incredible. I'm trying to think of the other guys who did 50, 40, 90 without it. Steve Nash has the most. Steve Nash did it four times. He did. Which is absurd. Larry Bird did it twice. Dirk. Dirk, KD. The sneaky one is Mark Price. Oh, he was a, yeah, a great shooter. He's known to be a great shooter, but it's not a great basketball player. There's a couple like random sneaky ones, like Malcolm Brogdon did it a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, he did. And, uh, and, then, and then I thought, didn't Tony Snell do it? Did okay. he not qualify for no, it? No, he didn't qualify, so we got to bring that up. So Tony Snell became the first player in NBA history to go 50-50-100, but he doesn't qualify for this 50-40-90 club because he had not enough attempts. So I think the, I looked it up earlier, the attempts required to qualify for 50-40-90 are like 300 field goal attempts, uh, 82 threes, so one a game, and 125 free throws, and he was not even Oh, he's not close even close. Yeah. yeah, I think last year he shot 12 free throws. He went This year he went 11 for 11 from free throw line, which is why he had 100%, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw a tweet the other day, like, no one's talking about Tony Snell not missing a free throw in two years. Do you know how hard that is to do? And I think the guy was being serious, but I don't, I'm sure he did not realize it was only 23 total. However, we do need to give Tony Snell some credit because he shot like 109 threes or something like that and shot 56% from three. That's not a small sample size. That's sick. No, that, that is pretty sick. Yeah. Happy for him. So that's pretty cool. There's, there's a couple other stats I want to get into that are fun, but before that, there's a there's a few funny stories from the end of the NBA regular season I want to talk about. One, did you hear about this guy on Twitter with his house and Damian Lillard? <laughs> uh, yes, but is that like a real thing? Did you not know? Do you know what happened with the whole, this whole deal? No, fill, fill me in okay. on the whole thing. Anyways, this guy who I think his Twitter handle is Lord Treesap, which is <laughs> okay, which is great. Anyways, he tweeted with a week or two left in the season that. Prior to the season, he had made a futures bet. He bet his house, is what he said, on the Blazers winning 42 games. And basically said, Dame, how's your hamstring feeling? I have to have y'all win 42 games because my house is on it. Like, I'm going to be freaking <laughs> homeless without it. Okay. So Dame sees it and responds, say less. Basically like, okay, I got you. And so they go out and they run the table and they win 42 games on the last day of the regular season. And Dame tweets at the guy and says, hey, show me your betting ticket. The guy had bet like 260 bucks. No way. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Was I, I, I didn't take it all that seriously, but the way you introduced it, I was like, wait, did this guy actually so, bet like so hundreds of thousands? That's the thing is that it caught fire on Twitter as if this guy's livelihood was actually on the line and that this guy was legit going to be living under a bridge if he didn't win this bet and ended up being, yeah, 260 or 70 bucks, something like that. I'm honestly just shocked that the guy sent the betting ticket. Like, you just don't respond to that, right? Yeah, you got it. You just got to disappear into thin air after that. That's pretty funny. It's also funny that it was just a push. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I that. guess what, if, if you do bet your house, you're always happy with a push. Yeah, for sure. And then the uh, Udonis Haslam story, his season debut was one of the most elite performances in NBA history. He made a season debut, which I think was the second to last game of the year. It's funny he's still in the NBA. I think people forget that most of the time. He's in, what, his 20th season or something like that? But he came in in the second to last game. He played two minutes, went two for two from the field for four points, and then got a double tech for fighting Dwight Howard and got ejected. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it. You got to be an enforcer out there. He's not going to add, you know, a whole lot on the court. So might as well just protect his guys. I just wonder if they told him in advance that he was 
going to have to play or if this was like his ploy to get out of it. It's like, I had no idea I had to play. I'm not ready for this. Like, I'm just going to come in and get ejected real quick. I have no clue, but more teams should have a guy like him. That's just kind of like an older vet player coach out there. Like a team could use Joe Kim Noah in that role for the playoffs. Dude, Juwan Howard was collecting checks for like 10 years after he was a valuable asset to an NBA team. He was just there. I don't He's not an enforcer. He's not even a mean guy. Though. I don't know what he was doing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, why not do it? Just raking, raking the money. I got nothing. All right, let's talk a little bit of NBA awards. So this season's kind of weird in that there is little to no debate, at least no reasonable debate about any of the four or five major NBA awards. If you look at the odds, the ones that have, that have not been announced yet are pretty obvious who's going to win, but let's talk about them really quickly, starting with MVP. Yeah, so Nikola Jokic of the Nuggets won MVP. There were a couple points throughout the season where like for a while Embiid was the favorite. I think before that, before he got hurt, LeBron was the favorite for a little bit. And then you had, you know, KD and I think Harden that people were talking about for the Nets. But anyway, Jokic ended up winning it. Had an well, incredible It hasn't been season. announced yet, but yeah, he'll, he will win. He, yes, yes. It's like, what is he, like minus a thousand at this point? Or, or more, yeah. Yeah, and especially after Jamal Murray went down and how well they played afterwards, wrapping up the three seed in the West, which is incredibly hard to do, especially shorthanded. Jokic deserves it. So there's a little bit of talk just because of what he's done for the last six weeks of the regular season about Steph Curry possibly sneaking in and winning it. It's not going to happen. He has been incredible. But if you look at offensive metrics specifically, people can argue that Nikola Jokic this season has had one of the best offensive seasons in NBA history. Like he has been elite in every possible way in the offensive end, very average on defense on the defensive end, but not as much of a liability as people think he is. Like you said, carried the team despite the other star going down. It's Jokic by a mile. It is. And I'll never be able to unsee him uh, playing basketball in sandals after we heard that that that's what he looks like. Yes. (laughs) Also something random, but funny. Did you know there's a future NBA prospect, a guy that's going to come around in a couple of years who's supposed to be really, really good named Nikola Jovic? No. Yes. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. (laughs) Look up Nikola Jovic, it's happening real soon. That's absurd. He got he's got to go to the Nuggets. <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be dope. So, All right, so the next one we've got the Defensive Player of the Year award, and that goes to Rudy Gobert, which is what is this his fourth time? Fourth, I think, which I believe would tie the NBA record, right? Yeah, the the Frenchman. He's nasty in the middle. Yeah, the the Stifle Tower. Stifle Tower, one of the best nicknames in sports as well. Yeah, so he helped lead them to the one seed in the West. Again, very hard to do in that conference. So well-deserving. He and Donovan Mitchell kind of put the team on their back, though. Yes, they did. And then Rookie of the Year, we thought we were going to have a race for a minute. LaMelo kind of went out, took the lead early. Then he got hurt. Right when he got hurt, Anthony Edwards started popping off. He was really, really good after the All-Star break. But LaMelo came back, kind of sealed the deal. He's definitely going to win Rookie of the Year. Anthony Edwards is a solid second, had a great rookie season, but well-deserved for LaMelo. Yeah, LaMelo and Anthony Edwards both looking like they have pretty bright futures. I mean, LaMelo kind of stunned people this year with how well he played. And then Anthony, he had a couple like 40-point games. People really like him too. So he did. And really, fun to watch. I Go dogs. I think the more important thing is that he really improved his efficiency over the second half of the season and looked like he could put it together. Like, There's a lot of guys who can score a bunch of points on a bad team and do it inefficiently and not win basketball games. And I think Anthony Edwards showed that he can hopefully push that franchise in a positive direction and win them some some games next year. Yeah, hopefully he just kind of leaves at the end of his contract and goes somewhere cool. I hope so too, I hope so too, (laughs) yeah. But you never know, maybe A-Rod can turn things around. 
he doesn't even know who A-Rod is, which is the funniest thing ever. <laughs> he at least acted like he didn't. Yeah. But anyway, so next one, Coach of the Year, who's already announced Monty Williams of the Suns wins that, well-deserving. And I honestly think that Chris Paul deserved a little bit more buzz in the MVP conversation. I mean, he didn't have the stats, but just look at how he turned the team around. They were a bubble team. You know, they were the 8-0 bubble Suns last year, remember? Yep. Ended up not making the playoffs despite that run. Now they're, what, the two seed in the West? Yeah, I mean, I'll be interested to see where the voting ends up. I would assume Chris Paul will get top five finish or so right so I mean that's very solid but yeah he had an incredible year he's one of those guys obviously to a lesser extent than Tom Brady given the fact that he's never won a, won a championship but he's the kind of guy that wherever he goes the team gets better oh absolutely CP3 yeah. I mean if, if they can somehow avoid the Lakers in round one I kind of like their shot yeah I think they have a good shot too and then the last one is most improved player this one at least should be unanimous and it's going to be Julius Randle that guy's just had a breakout season he's played incredibly well kind of renewed transformed his career transformed the way he's played and it's paid off yeah he was incredible this year what did he average like 26 and 11 or something and five assists yeah he's been really good he was really good for that team and I have to say about a month into the season you commented about how good he'd been and I made some stupid comment about how like it was just a bad signing for the Knicks because he's going to be just good enough to where they don't make the playoffs but don't get a great draft pick but he carried them to the four seed yeah yeah like that's incredible. an incredible one. If you look at the Knicks season, I, I saw a tweet the other day about some guy's preseason betting prop. There was plus 700 for the Knicks to make the playoffs. Wow. They're hosting a playoff series. I mean, and Julius Randle, Tom Thibodeau, they get all the credit for that. They, they've been great. For sure. And just to clarify in the stats, 24, 10, and 6. Great season. That'll work. That will work. All right. I have a few more stats on the NBA regular season before we move on to the playoffs. So just kind of throwing a few things out there. One, Steph Curry won the scoring title, averaged 32 points a game. He is the only player in NBA history other than Michael Jordan to win a scoring title at the age of 33 or older, which is pretty incredible. I'm not even sure I knew Steph was 33. That checks out. Yeah, let me make sure he's 33. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he was at Davidson in what, 2008? Yeah, he turned 33 in March. Yeah, so it's, it, I, my brain still hasn't like fully calibrated that 2008 was 13 years ago. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, another stat is most seasons in NBA history averaging 25 points per game or more. There are four guys. Sorry, you got it. How, wait, who is it? So I haven't said it yet. Okay. So so most 25 point per game NBA seasons in history. There are four guys who are tied for second with 12: Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Karl Malone, Kevin Durant, LeBron now has 17. Okay, I did see that. Sorry, I thought you were still talking about Steph. I was like, wait, what? Um, But yeah, LeBron, 17, and it's all in a row, right? I mean... Yeah. Yeah, he had wild. He had one, like, injured season, or was it when he was a rookie he didn't do it? Because this is his... Yeah, he was... He averaged... As an 18-year-old, he averaged like 20 or 21, something like that. so he's done it every year since. Yes. And gone to 11 finals? Something like that. It's pretty chill. Yeah, it's pretty darn good. Um, I think that's it because we already talked about the 50, 40, 90 guys and Tony Snell. So go and talk a little playoffs. <laughs> you got to talk about Tony Snell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so let's get into last night, Tuesday night's uh, play-in games. So hand up, I'm the idiot who bet on the freaking Hornets for, to somehow win a road playoff game. They got just smacked around by the Pacers, 144 to 117. DeMontis Sabonis had 14, 21, and 9. He's kind of one of the most underrated players in the league, in my opinion. But anyway, the Hornets, they're not very good. Pacers moving on to play the Wizards on Thursday night. Like, this is kind of... So, with the exception of the Lakers and the Warriors, this is kind of what I expected the plan to be. Like, I just don't care. Like, right? Do you care about the Pacers and Wizards? 
I couldn't care less about the Pacers and Wizards. And you know what I absolutely hate is that the only good one of these games is at 1030 on yeah. Wednesday night. Yeah, I'm out. Stop. I'm out on that. Yeah, so with the exception of a crazy circumstance in which a really, really good team becomes injured enough that they fall to the seventh seed in the Lakers and then getting matched up with the Warriors, like these games just don't matter at all. It's just like whoever wins, whoever loses, like the winners that make the playoffs are going to get broomed in the first round by the top seeds and it's over. So I don't really care. Pretty much. And I think it's a kind of a consensus that everyone hates it. But didn't you say the NBA recently announced that it's going to be permanent? They were hoping to make it permanent. They haven't officially done it yet, but they're trying to move in that direction. Everyone really likes Commissioner Adam Silver. He doesn't have a ton of missteps. This might be one, but if there's money to be made, which I assume that there is, then that's just kind of what everyone follows. Yeah, I guess we need to bring up the fact that Jason Tatum dropped 50 and led them to a victory. So now they have secured the seven seed. The Celtics are the seven seed and they will be playing the Nets in the first round, which once again will not go well for them. It wouldn't <laughs> go well for them anyways, but without Jalen Brown, it definitely won't. So yeah. they're on the way out. Jason Tatum dropping 50. I mean, they need that from him in the absence of Jalen Brown. So, you know, glad he's playing well. He's an emerging superstar. But did you see at the end of that game, Celtics fans at the Garden chanted, we want Brooklyn? No. It's like, I'm not sure that you do, but I admire your passion. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I respect it, I guess, but they're going to regret that. That's not going to age well. No, it's not. I looked at the odds. The Nets are minus 1,400 to wow, win the series. that's huge. Celtics plus 800. Yeah, it's it's pretty steep. And the Nets, I mean, they, they haven't been able to stay healthy like all year, but neither are the Celtics. Like the, I think the Nets only need two of their big three to beat them. For sure. If one of those guys went down for the entire series, I would still pick the Nets in a heartbeat. Oh, for sure. In any of the three, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Well, more on that in a little bit, but you want to move to the Wednesday play-in games? Let's do it. Yeah, so like we just mentioned, the one that everyone really wants to watch, you know, LeBron and 80s Lakers against Steph and the Warriors is at 10.30 tonight while I'll be drooling on my pillow. Yep. But thank God at 7.30, we get to watch the most boring game ever between the Spurs and the Grizzlies. Yeah, I actually was going to ask you before you said that if... <laughs> If you could imagine a game less exciting than the Spurs and the Grizzlies. No, I can't. And it's kind of sad when you think about what's happened to the Spurs over the last five years because like they were one of the greatest dynasties of our lifetime. And then like all those guys retired and then Greg Popovich, who's like one of the greatest coaches of our lifetime, just completely refused to adapt to the way that basketball is changing. And his team, I think, has the least three-point attempts every year. So anyway, point is, the Spurs are incredibly boring. And the Grizz, you know, they have Ja Morant and Jaron Jackson, who are some very exciting to watch young players, but they're just not quite there yet. They're missing at least, you know, one piece to be a real contender. So I'm not excited about this one at all. No, I'm with you there. And on the Spurs, yeah, part of that was personnel issues is they got two of the biggest mid-range guys in the NBA and DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. So that just doesn't, is not very conducive to bombing three-pointers, but yeah, not a fun team to watch. And uh, I'm just going to wait till the first round actually starts to get into this. Yeah, I feel you. I mean, like I said, the only thing I care about is the one that I won't be able to watch more than the first quarter of tonight. That's Lakers-Warriors. The Lakers are favored by five and a half. The Suns have got to be sitting home watching this like, please, God, don't let the Lakers win. Yeah. Getting the two seed and having to play a fully healthy, you know, defending champion Lakers team is absolutely brutal. I would put a little asterisk on that and say they're probably not fully healthy. I would guess AD is like, what, 80, 90% and LeBron's like 70, 80%, something like that. Sure, fair enough. Who knows? But yeah, you never know. I mean, they win this game, get a couple of days off, they could get there. Regardless, but point taken. If I'm the Suns, I would much rather play anybody else other than the Lakers. So I got a hypothetical for you. What you got? Lakers win tonight. Yep. And they play the Suns. Yep. 
So, you know, that's the 2-7 game. It's at Phoenix for the majority of it. Who's the favorite? What are the odds on that? That's a great question. I would guess the Lakers would be a very small favorite. That's I would guess it'd be Lakers minus like 150? minus 120 is what I was going to say. Okay, yeah. interesting. Well, something to monitor because yeah. definitely be a fun one to bet on. But yeah. anyway, you want to move on to the Thursday series? Yeah, let's talk about them. Yeah, we're going to have four game ones on Thursday. Got a full slate. So the first game that will be played is the Heat and the Bucks. This is a fun one because it's kind of like don't sleep on the heat. I know that they didn't get a top seed this year, but you know, last year they were a sleeper. They're the defending Eastern conference champions and they can beat anyone. If they get hot from three, Jimmy Butler turns it on this time of year and they're playing against the bucks who, you know, they're at a point where they've got to take this next step. You know, they re-signed Giannis. They brought in Drew Holiday for this time of year. Like they've, they've just got to win. And I, I heard rumblings, who knows if it's credible or not, a week or two ago that Mike Buddenholzer, if they don't make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, is not going to survive. It's kind of weird for me as far as I feel like the narrative around the Bucks has changed the last few years. And I guess it's because of the Giannis contract situation is there was so much pressure on them. First of all, they were the one seed, I guess. So that was part of it. They were the one seed. There was the Giannis contract was up in the air. They weren't sure what their future was going to look like. And so there was tons of pressure on them to win. I feel like after having re-signed him long-term and not being the one seed, now they're the three seed, I feel like the pressure is kind of off of them. And I think that's going to play in their favor, right? They're not expected to win the East this year. And so I think they can just be themselves. And that's still a really, really good team. They're as talented or more talented than they have been the last couple of years. So I think they roll in this series against the Heat. I do too. And I like your point. There is a lot of pressure off of their back now that they locked up Giannis because that was kind of the whole thing. If they can't at least show that they are making progress towards winning a championship, that he's gone and out the door. So yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, maybe Buttonholzer's on the hot seat, but the players don't feel that. The players aren't out there, you know, grinding to save their coach as sad as that sounds. Like that's that's not their number one priority. They're going to have pressure off, like I said, and I think they're going to play well. Remember when Mike Buttonholzer got hired by the Hawks and got a DUI on his first day on the job? Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, just needed to throw that out there. All right. So speaking of the Hawks, that's the next series on Thursday. Hawks versus Knicks, the 4-5 matchup. This one's interesting because the lower seed is the favorite. Yes. Hawks minus 125, Knicks plus 105. What do you think about this one? Yeah, it was funny. I was talking to my friend slash coworker the other day, and he was watching a NBA, like whatever, analyst show on ESPN. And they were going through and picking series. And he said, all the analysts picked the Knicks in the series. He's like, I'm going to go and throw a bunch of money in the Hawks because apparently everyone thinks the Knicks are going to win. And then he looked and the odds were in the Hawks' favor. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, kind of weird one for an underdog to be favored in an NBA series. I wonder when the last time that happened was. This is going to be tough. I feel like the Hawks are going to take this one just because they have more depth. They have more overall talent probably than the Knicks. It's a good story for the Knicks. And it's fun to see them in the playoffs for the first time in a long, long time, but I'm going to take the Hawks in this one. I am too, and I'm going to say it goes seven games and the Hawks you know, finish it in New York. It'll be a close one, but I just like the Hawks because it feels like they're underseeded at the five, honestly, because if you look at the full story of their season, they started 14 and 20, fired their head coach Lloyd Pierce, and then since then, they're 27 and 11 under Nate McMillan. Like, yeah. They're one of the hottest teams in the league, and they're really deep. They have nine different guys who averaged in double figures this year. Now they have Lou Williams, who they traded for to come off the bench and be a scorer in the playoffs, so I like this Hawks team. Yeah, they can hurt you from a lot of places. They're a really good three-point shooting team, so 
they're fun to watch. It's going to be a good series. Yeah, and then the next one, we've got Mavs and Clippers. The Clippers are minus 380 in a rematch of last year's playoff series that got a little chippy at one point, if you remember that. That was a really fun one to watch. Probably the best first-round matchup last year. Luka hit that buzzer beater um, after, uh, what was it? Uh, Montrezl Harrell that called him a bitch yeah. ass white boy yes. Yes. and then he hit the buzzer beater <laughs> that was pretty fun um, anyway so my thoughts on this series and just the Clippers in general are kind of what you said about the Bucks a little bit ago that's what I was thinking too the, the pressure's off of them yeah. doesn't it feel like last year Everyone was obsessed with the Clippers. Everyone talked about them all year, how they were the favorites, not only in the West, but to win the whole thing because, you know, the way that Kawhi and Paul George teamed up, how they're both incredible two-way players. Everyone was obsessed with Kawhi after the Raptors run and started calling him the best player in the world. And then, like, all of a sudden, they kind of fell apart in that series against who was it, the Nuggets. Mm -hmm. But anyway, all the pressure's off of them. I didn't hear a single thing about them all year. No, and I don't know why anything has changed, right? I mean, their bench guys changed a little bit. They don't have Lou Williams and Montrez anymore, but they still have a really deep, really good team. There's no reason that they shouldn't be more in the championship conversation than they currently are. So I think they're still going to be a force to be reckoned with. The Mavs, every time I watch them, it's just the same thing, right? It's just so reliant on Luka. Chris Dapps is kind of hit or miss sometimes. I don't trust any of their guys other than those two to be able to put the ball in the basket when it counts. And so in my opinion, it's just got to be the Clippers. Yeah, and the Mavs, we talked about it last year, about how they're somewhat similar to the 2011 championship team because they've got a handful of guys who can get hot and shoot the lights out. But ultimately, it's just so hard to sustain that. Clippers at minus 380, I think that's you know great odds for them. Yeah, I would take that all day. Clippers roll in this one, like you said. I'm with you. All right, so the final series that'll start on Thursday is the Blazers and the Nuggets. So similar to Knicks Hawks, the lower seed in this one is favored. It's Blazers minus 130, Nuggets plus 110. What you think? Yeah, I actually hadn't looked at the odds, but once you say they're favored, it makes sense to me. We already talked about the fact that Jamal Murray's out. That's just huge. You need multiple stars really in the playoffs, especially in guard positions in order to take over games. Them not having the Nuggets, not having Jamal Murray is going to be a huge, huge loss. And Dame in playoff time, like there's there's not really anyone that's clearly better in the clutch than Dame in the NBA right now. So I think I got to go with that backcourt combo in Portland going with the Blazers. So I'm going the other way. So I know that it's a small sample size, um, but the Nuggets actually did play a little bit better without Jamal Murray. And I don't know that that's sustainable over a seven game series, especially against a really good team in the Blazers. But I just really like the way Jokic is playing. I like how their you know offense totally runs through him now. He's just so good. And I know that Dame is you know right up there with him. He would be in the MVP conversation if they just had one more piece and could get a higher seed. But I'm going with the Nuggets to take this one at home. I think they win it in seven games. Got to give a little shout out to Michael Porter Jr. who's really stepped up his game since the uh, loss, since the injury of Jamal Murray and has picked up a lot of that scoring load. He's been playing good basketball. So nice little one-two combo between Jokic and, and Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, I mean, they're they're good. They're deep. I just, I think at home they take this series against the Blazers, but that's going to be a really good one. And of course, Vegas thinks so too, given the odds. But that'll will about do it for the NBA for now. You want to move on to some Major League Baseball? Yeah, so I think the biggest piece of recent news in Major League Baseball is that last night we had our fifth no-hitter of the Major League Baseball season with Spencer Turnbull. What'd you think about that? I don't think a whole lot about that because it's Spencer Turnbull and the Tigers, yeah. but I think it's just the kind of theme that we talked about on our episode a couple weeks ago about how pitchers are just getting a little bit too far ahead of the hitters. And 
I think this paired with another thing that happened this week, which was Kevin Pillar of the Mets having his nose just absolutely smashed yep. uh, on Not a fastball great. from Braves uh, pitcher Jacob Webb. And a reporter asked after the game if baseball is becoming too dangerous, which is kind of a funny question for a non-contact sport, right? Yeah. But just the Spencer Turnbull, you know, very average pitcher throwing the fifth no-hitter of the season on a historic pace for no-hitters and somebody, you know, asking about baseball being dangerous after a guy's face got smashed is the momentum building for moving the mound back it's gotta be eventually (laughs) like i i don't think it's gonna happen quickly because this is the oldest sport in america and it's built on tradition right like that's kind of the whole appeal of baseball in a way is it's like it's america's game it's like you know it's nostalgic it's just how it is and so i feel like it's going to take a while to kind of move the traditionalists in that direction but it's something's got to happen eventually i actually have two more stats to talk about how much pitching is dominating hitting right now and i don't want to harp on this forever because we we talked about this last episode too but like this is a real issue in baseball today so one of them is that garrett cole actually this week just broke the Major League Baseball record for most strikeouts between walks for a pitcher. He had 61 strikeouts between walks, which is dominant. And the crazy part about that is, do you know whose record he broke? Uh, was it Corbin Burns? Yeah, Corbin who did Burns. It this year also? Did it like two weeks ago. Right. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. The fact that a record like that could be broken twice in a month is insane. And then I also have a kind of a dated stat now, but it's a really good one. I got this on May 8th, so things have changed. It's been 11 days, but just to give you an idea, on May 8th, most Major League Baseball teams have played about 30 games, and at that time, there had been 34 games this season in which a pitcher went at least seven innings and allowed two or fewer hits, 34 times this year in 30 games. Last year, that happened 32 times the entire season. 32 last season, and it's already been 34? Already been 34, 30 games in. So you got to remember last season was only 60 games or whatever, but still, that's more than last season and half the number of games. And if it was something that happened last year with, you know, COVID and the shortened season and everyone being thrown off, maybe I'd get it. But there's really no explanation for it this season. Now that everyone's kind of recovered, everyone's just kind of on their normal schedule, other than the fact that just pitchers really are getting ahead of the hitters. Pitchers are dominant. They just, no one can hit, man. These guys are throwing gas and it's just impossible to hit. You know who really can't hit? The Braves. Yeah. Yeah, the Braves suck. suck. Braves suck. How about Huascar, dude? (laughs) I'm so sad. That is devastating. Waskar decided to punch the bench and broke his hand, and now he's out. Right when he became my boy. Yeah. Like, I was looking at Waskar jerseys the other day. Of course, I was never going to buy one, but I was like, this would be cool. And the next thing you know, he punches the bench after his first bad outing of the season. Yeah. And breaks his hand. electric all year, and then one bad outing, and he just blows it. So devastating. Been a frustrating year. But another piece of news, I don't know if this is one that you were about to get to, but Mike Trout with a calf strain, he's going to yeah. be out six to eight weeks, which transitions well into you know another topic of baseball is do the angels even need him like this guy had a long run as one of the best players or probably the best player in baseball now he's not even the best player on his own team Shohei Otani just taking the league by storm leading major league baseball with 14 bombs already and like you were telling me earlier these other players are just in awe of the guy what do you think about Shohei he is absurd like showtime man so baseball needs something like this occasionally this happens this is what Steph Curry is to basketball right now and when he does the things he's been doing for the last six weeks is when he's playing you want to turn on the tv right like Shohei Otani I haven't watched a baseball game in a few days like I just 
I have other things going on, but I know Shohei Otani is starting on the mound tonight at eight o'clock against the Indians. And so I want to watch it. Like he's the kind of guy that makes you want to turn on the TV. He's the biggest draw baseball's probably had in a while. And he is incredible on both sides, not both sides, but from the plate and on the mound. Yeah. And I love the Steph Curry comparison because now he's chef Otani, but yes, let's go. <laughs> anyway, this is a dumb question, but since he's in the American league, when he pitches, does that mean he doesn't hit? Sometimes. So earlier, can you be pitcher and DH? So he did that this year. So earlier this year, he became the first, I think, I think this is right. He became the first pitcher in the DH era in the American league to hit a home run when he started the pitching, started getting, started the game pitching. Okay. Yeah. Because didn't he become the first person to hit a home run on a hundred mile an hour pitch and also throw a hundred mile an hour pitch? It wasn't exactly that, but in the same game, he had the, the hardest hit home run of the year and the fastest pitch by a starter of the year. Gotcha. Okay. Both over a hundred. Yeah. Pretty incredible. Yeah. The guy is special. Yeah. I'm I'm used to playing fantasy baseball where you can't start him as a pitcher and a hitter the same day. Oh wow. So it just confuses me. Yeah. Yeah. He is He's just different than anybody we've seen in our lifetimes and, and really anyone that's probably alive right now has seen. Yeah, he's a lot of fun. And it's funny because like between him and Trout, the Angels have like two of the best, what, 10 players, 15 players, 20 and they still in, in baseball. Suck. And they can't even come close. And Anthony Rendon. Like, yeah. what, I guess they just don't have any pitching, but I'm sick of them. I'm sick of them too. All right, little PGA golf, huh? Let's do it. Let's do it. So this weekend, starting tomorrow morning, Thursday morning, is the PGA Championship. It is going to be played at the Ocean Course at Kiowa Island, which is going to be beautiful. I'm really excited to watch it. It's on the Atlantic Ocean, just a beautiful piece of property. And it's going to be a really fun course. It's going to be the longest major championship in PGA Tour history being played at about 7,900 yards and change. So going to be some long hitters out there or else you're in big trouble. So I just want to hear your thoughts and get a couple of predictions from you. Well, I'm excited that they're playing on a really long course and it also could be pretty windy just because I feel like it's going to be a movie out there. There are going to be some big numbers from some dudes. But when I looked at the odds today, I was kind of shocked by it that Rory McIlroy is the favorite at minus 1100 just because you know for a while there Rory was hot garbage you know until he you know started playing well and won the Wells Fargo in Charlotte two weeks ago and I guess he's the favorite partially because he won here in 2012 didn't you say he kind of dominated back then he played really really well on the weekend especially and yeah he, he had a very good performance there yeah, and then besides Rory, my initial thoughts about this, looking at the odds, where I kind of like uh, Bryson DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson, each sitting there at plus 1,800. I think they're like number five and six on the odds list. But two bombers like that who can kind of hit the ball far, drive it through the wind on a course that's this long, kind of like that. Okay, so I'm going to go a little bit off the rails here with my prediction. Just want to go someone someone fun. I'm going Abraham Answer as my pick to win. The little guy. The little guy. Yeah. So I'm not going with bombs. I'm going with accuracy because this is the kind of course that fairway misses can be like absolutely devastating because there's all kinds of water and slush and garbage out there. So I'm going with Abraham Answer for a couple reasons. One, he's one of the most accurate drivers on tour. He's like top five in driving accuracy. Two, he's really hot right now. His last two tournaments, both of which have happened in May, he's finished top five. So he's playing really good golf. And third is that it's only kind of a surprise upset pick in name value. I think people would be surprised to know that Abraham Answer is now the 19th ranked golfer in the world. He's not some like, you know, 50th, 60th guy. He's a top 20 golfer in the world. The guy can play. He's been on a, on a tear of like top 25s for a while now. For like a few months, he's never finished outside of like the top 26, I actually think it is. But he's playing really good golf. I think 
on this course, given the distance, it's going to be super important to be playing from the fairway. Even if you don't hit it quite as far as the other guys, I think from the fairway is going to be massive. So I'm going to go Abraham answer. My other guy, if I'm going to pick someone at the top, is going to be Jordan Spieth. Playing good golf. We thought the Masters, but maybe the PGA is going to be it. Fair enough. Yeah, I like the Spieth pick. I think he's third on the odds list. And I like answer. What are the odds on him? He's plus 5,000. Plus 5,000. Okay. Gotcha. Interesting. Well, I like the pick. I'm actually going a little bit deeper on the odds list for uh, my sleeper. And it feels funny to call him a sleeper because it's Tommy Fleetwood. Yeah, it's interesting. He's he's plus 6,600, which I was a little surprised by. Uh, He's a European, so he's used to, you know, playing in some windy conditions, if that's the case. In 2020, he was second at the Scottish Open. And then in 2019, he finished second at the Open Championship. So he's just a guy who's used to the conditions, really good golfer. At those odds, you know, that's a real long shot, but I like it. Yeah, we'll take it. So I'm looking at the weather on Kiowa Island for the weekend right now. We got 77 on Thursday is the high, all the way up to 86 is the high on Sunday. It's going to be sunny the entire time, which is nice. And then winds ranging anywhere between 9 and 17 miles an hour. So some wind, but nothing crazy. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, nothing too crazy at all. And then uh, we got to mention Colin Morikawa. I mean, playing Mm -hmm. close to home. He's used to those courses too, like that guy, so he could be a sleeper as well. Yeah, I love watching him. Also a really accurate driver, so I like I like that pick a lot. Let's go. Well, that's about all we got for today. Oh, I got more things. Ooh. I do have a trivia question, surprise for you. A PGA one? No, NFL, because we haven't had any NFL talk, and so I wanted to incorporate some NFL with a trivia question. Okay. All right. Who is the only quarterback... Mark Bolger. <laughs> that's a good <laughs> guess. In NFL history, to lose to all 32 teams... Oh my goodness. Only quarterback to lose to all 32. So the reason this got brought up is because there's another quarterback who has a chance to match it this year. Oh, wow. Okay. So someone who is good enough to have kept a starting job forever, but lost a ton of games. (laughs) Is that accurate? Kind of. Yeah. Oh man. Um, gosh, I have no idea. I, I, kind of feel good about the preliminary Mark Bolger guess. <laughs> That's a pretty good guess, but I'm I'm just going to give it to you because it's so hard. Josh McCown. Okay. I would not have gotten that. Yeah. And then the one that has a chance to do it is Ryan Fitzpatrick this year. If he loses to the Lions somehow, he would be also a loser to all 32 teams. I'm sorry. I was still thinking about Josh McCown. Who did you say? Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, sh- I should have thought that because he's just a journeyman. He's played just about everywhere. Um, but back to Josh McCown. Remember when Patrick Mahomes signed his 10-year or like $3 trillion dollar yeah, deal. Did yeah. you, do you remember what Josh McCown said? No. So he like, when someone Schefter probably sent it out, he like quote, tweet, quote tweeted it and was like, is this better than a one year deal with 10 different teams? <laughs> I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> that's Cause awesome. that's exactly what he did. Josh McCown is actually kind of a legend. He's oh, had he's, a really good career. Yeah. He's cool. Isn't he a quarterbacks coach somewhere now? I don't know. He was like coaching high school at some point last year, right? I don't know what he's doing. I think he interviewed for the Texans head coaching job, but he you, could, you don't want that. He could do whatever he wanted to as far as coaching is concerned. If he wanted to take a real like big time head coaching job in the NFL, he could get it. And if he wants to just chill and have a more enjoyable life, he could be a high school coach. I mean, yeah. the guy knows football, clearly. <laughs> well, I can't think of a better way to end the show than Josh McCown and his you know future life. Why are you trying to end the show? I have more. Oh, okay. All right. So did you see, just curious... I, mean, I don't know which way to go next. Have you seen the other celebrity fight coming up in June other than Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather? Do you know about this? Yeah, the crackhead fight? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know about this. How did I not know? <laughs> uh, Lamar Odom and Aaron Lamar Carter. Lamar Odom and Aaron Carter fighting, and did you see the news about who the ref is? 
No. Chuck Liddell. <laughs> no way. Yes. Oh my goodness. Okay. So other than the fact that, you know, they're both crackheads, isn't Lamar Odom like 6'9"? No, two? he's like 6'11". And how big is Aaron Carter? I imagine Aaron Carter to be 5'9", 125. <laughs> One twenty-five. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think you're wrong. I, I laughed at it, but you're probably not far off. I have no idea. I, I would say I would have said like five nine one fifty. How is that a fair fight? What What's the point? I almost had a heart attack in my room <laughs> the other night when I somehow came across the fact that those two were fighting and Chuck Liddell was the ref. I was like, this has to be a joke. And then multiple sources were confirming it, and, and I couldn't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's sad to see, man. All right. Well, on the fighting game, did you catch any of UFC? this past weekend I did not okay so big news is we have a new lightweight champion so Khabib retired vacated the belt and Charles Oliveira beat Michael Chandler to take over as the new UFC lightweight champion awesome story do you know anything about the Charles Oliveira story I do not but is there any chance that he'll have to fight Aaron Carter next no he would dude Aaron Carter would have zero limbs remaining after three minutes in the in the octagon with Charles Oliveira that would be ugly well we'll but, see after the Lamar Odom fight but no go ahead with the story so he grew up in the like absolute ghetto in Brazil had some sort of injury or illness when he was like seven years old told he might never walk again ended up recovering from that got to the UFC when he was 20 was not very good in the UFC for the first long time he went 10 and 9 in his first 19 UFC fights so kind of like a middle of the road guy nothing special and then just kept on getting better and better. He's been a nasty submission ground guy for his entire career, but he's really improved his stand-up. And just as he's improved over time, started winning fights. He's now won, I think, nine in a row and is now the UFC lightweight champion. Just a really cool story. Incredible comeback for his life and incredible comeback in this fight after he got dominated in the first round. So happy for that guy. You love to hear it. So who's who's his next fight? Is he going to have to defend his title against the same guy? He's probably going to defend his title against the winner of McGregor and Dustin Poirier. Really? Okay. Yeah. Which is probably going to be McGregor? Uh, it's hard to say. So McGregor won the first time, but that was a long time ago, and Poirier knocked him out, whatever that was, last year, earlier this year. So, Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so the odds are going to be pretty close. So that's going to be fun. And then one of the most savage things I've ever seen in a UFC fight was on Saturday, too. Did you hear about what happened to Jacare? No. Dude, so Jacare's, it was the is loudest. That, is that a one name? Jacare Souza. Okay. Uh, he. It was the loudest popping of a bone that I've ever seen in a UFC fight. Is it worse than the Chris Weidman thing? So that was that was visible. Like you saw that. I'm talking about loud. Like you just hear a, like a resounding crack in the arena. It was freaking crazy. And the even more savage thing, he had zero reaction to it whatsoever. Didn't make any face. Didn't make a sound. Just like looked at its arm like like looked down upon it as if it failed him or something <laughs> like that. Like yeah. it, was, it was crazy. I'll show you guys as soon as we get done with this. All right. And then one last thing. Um, the transition is this is related to another Brazilian Liverpool sick finish the other day. First time I've ever seen something like this. So Liverpool end of the season, right? You got to finish top four to make champions league. They have to win the remaining games or else their season's over. It's a waste and they suck. So they are in the 95th minute. The game is one to one and they get a corner kick. And so their goalie runs all the way down the field uh, to be to take part in the corner kick, and the goalie scores a goal in the 95th minute to win the game. No way. The season alive. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. pretty incredible. So fun things that you never see in sports or don't see very often, at least. So some fun things, random, random stories, random asides there, but go look them up on the internet, on YouTube if you can, and you'll enjoy them.
All right. So is that finally it or am, yeah, I, am it. I still cutting you that's off? That's it. No, I had to go. I had to go with the crackhead fight, Liverpool and the UFC before we wrapped up. I love that. Well, thank you for joining us, everybody. Uh, please enjoy the first quarter of the Lakers Warriors game tonight and then get your six and a half hours of sleep. Yeah, seriously. If you are able to stay up and you get to sleep in or you have flexible work hours in the morning, I envy you greatly because that's going to be a sick game. But thank you all for tuning in. Please follow us on Apple and Spotify. Leave us some ratings and reviews. We will catch you hopefully next Monday. Have a good day. Good day.